Welcome to Your Work, Your Way. This is the podcast where you learn to get in touch with your inner CEO with soul. Learn to take charge of your career. Learn to show up with confidence in a way that is aligned with who you really are. I'm your host, Lisa Filia, Masters in Psychology, Certified Life Coach, Expert Career Confidence Coach, and Founder of Believe C. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, it is so good to be back. This week, we are diving into imposter syndrome. Now, I've noticed recently the phrase imposter syndrome has been showing up all over the place. I've seen it in different articles online. I've seen it in social media. And what I've noticed is missing from the conversation is the energy behind imposter syndrome. A lot of the research and a lot of the articles out there are focusing on it from a mindset and belief perspective. And that is important. That is a massive part of it. But that's not the whole story. It's half the story. We need to think about imposter syndrome from an energetic place because we are human beings that are energetic beings. And so if we forget energy when we're talking about imposter syndrome, we're missing a vital element of what causes imposter syndrome and how to help ourselves break free from it. So today, that is what we are doing. You know, though, before we dive into the content, we are going to do our work win. In today's work win, I want to share an experience one of my clients had and how they were able to overcome it. Because when we can see others do it, it means we can do it too. So this client, we had a a coaching call scheduled and she gets on the call and she's frantic. And I asked her what's going on. And she said, I have so much to do. I was just given this incredible opportunity because somebody else on the team kind of dropped the ball a little bit. And this project needed to be done and they needed somebody to do it. And she took the chance. She took the risk. She raised her hand. She said she would do it. But what that meant was she didn't have very much time to figure this thing out. And so we get on the call that night, and she had to do a deliverable the next day. So you can imagine the call. She was a little bit distracted because she knew she had this thing to do, and she didn't think she knew how to do it. And so what we did on the call is we coached on that, on that not knowing how. And so I asked her, hey, what's what's going on? Where are you at right now? And she shared with me, you know, I just don't know how to move forward. Like, I know I can I can do this, but I, I don't know what the next step is. And I only have six hours tonight unless I want to pull an all-nighter, which I could do. But if I do that, then when I present it, it might be difficult. And her brain was spinning this into a big problem. And so what we did first is we slowed her down. We said, okay, wait, stop for a second. What do you mean you don't know? And she looked at me and she goes, well, I don't know what the next step is. And I said, okay, let's say that you did know. Let's say that you knew that you knew, you just don't know the answer yet. Like you realize that you know, you just haven't uncovered it yet. Like what if that's the case? And if that were the case, what do you think you would do next? And she kind of looked at me. She took a breath and she goes, okay. 
Okay, you know what? Okay, okay, here's the thing. I actually do know what to do next. It's just after that, I don't know what to do. And so I said, okay, great. What is it that you need to do next? And she told me the one next step. And I said, perfect. Let's imagine that you had done that step. What would happen next? She goes, okay, well, well, if I did that, then I would know X, Y, and Z, which would mean then I'd go and I would try this other thing. And I said, okay, great. Let's say you did that. Then what would you do? And she said, okay, well, it probably would depend on the answer from the previous question, but, but depending, I would either do this route or that route. And as we slowed it down, she was uncovering her own plan for herself, a plan she always had within her, but she couldn't access before because she was so stuck in the thought that she didn't know. So I want you to stop for a moment now and ask yourself, is there something that I am not pursuing because I think I don't know how? And if that is the case, if something is coming to mind for you, I want you to ask, okay, if you are knowing you don't know in this exact moment, but you can lean into the idea that you might know, you just haven't realized you know, if you can lean into the possibility that you might know, or that it's okay to even not know, but you could still take a next step, what would you do next? Notice what comes up for you. Because you don't have to be able to fluently articulate every word, every step before you move forward with a new task or a new project. You really don't. We think we do and we think it's something I've never done before. How am I going to do this? I don't know. And then we go into the people responding to the fact that we don't know and how uh, we're a fraud or we're going to be laughed at or this could really be our downfall. And we go into this dark place. This place that stops us from accessing the answers. Because when we're spinning in that realm of I don't know, even if that feels true, if we stay focused on the not knowing, we stay in the energy of not knowing. And where our energy is, is the level of thoughts that we're able to access, the level of insights that we're able to draw from ourselves. So if we're in an energy of I don't know, and it's a problem, then we're never going to be able to access any next step. But if we're in the energy of, okay, I'm not thinking I know, that's okay, what can I figure out? Or perhaps I do know, I just think that I don't know, now what? That energy leaves you room to play, leaves you the option to pull out one next step. And that next step can lead to the next step can lead to the next step. And pretty soon you have the whole project done that you didn't think you knew how to do. And yet, boom, there it is complete. This is what my client experienced. In our coaching session, she was able to slow herself down, get into the energy of the possibility that she could know, that it was okay that she didn't think she knew, but that there was room to possibly know and to slow it down, come up with answers and give herself a plan forward. This is the magic of coaching, and this is the magic of slowing your mind down, leaning into the faith that you have the answers, even when you don't feel like you do, and playing with that. So congratulations to this client. I am so proud of her for taking a step back 
for leaning into faith and for playing with me in that coaching session to be able to pull the plan, the wisdom within, outside, and into fruition. So that is our work win for today. Now we're going to talk all about imposter syndrome. Here's where I want to start with this. I want to talk about the phrase imposter syndrome. Think about how heavy that phrase feels. I mean, when I think about something as a syndrome, it becomes massive. It becomes this weight on our shoulders. And if you think about it, it's not even in the DSM. That's the diagnostic manual that psychologists and therapists use to diagnose their clients and and give them diagnoses. Imposter syndrome isn't in there. So it's not really even a syndrome from a diagnostic standpoint. And yet, when we latch on to the phrase imposter syndrome, what we do is we make it massive. Because when we say it's a syndrome, what we're doing is we're taking a collection of all of the symptoms we've noticed from the past and we're bringing them into the now. We're saying, I have this thing. We're giving ourselves an identity. I have imposter syndrome implies that you're a collection of what happened to you in the past and you're bringing that now. But we are not our past. Sure, we have our memories of what happened in the past and we can recall those, but that doesn't mean that's who we are. How many of us want to define ourselves based on the things that happened five years ago or even last week? No, we are evolving beings. We are not meant to stay stagnant into an identity that is fixed. We are always shifting, always evolving, ready to shed that layer of identity, bring on a new one, play with it, shed it, bring on a new one, play with it, shed it. We are evolving creatures. But when we call ourselves someone who has imposter syndrome, we are taking a label based on symptoms from the past or evidence we've gathered from the past, and we're giving it to ourselves now. And we're saying, these things that happened in the past or that I thought about myself in the past or that I felt in the past define who I am today. And when we do that, we put the weight on our shoulders. We take the baggage and we put it on our backs and say, this is who we are. And then we carry it around, seeing it as this problem, and then making it mean so many things about ourselves. But you are not an imposter. You are not a syndrome. Our identity cannot be fixed to actions of the past unless we define ourselves in that way. My father-in-law always says the, the saying, if you label me, you negate me. And that's what we do when we say we have imposter syndrome. We're giving ourselves a label, which means we're taking on an identity. And it isn't even a helpful one. And we're negating all of the other options that we could be. Now, I'm not against taking on an identity, but I don't think it helps us to do that from a place of limit. If we're going to take on an identity and we're going to call ourselves something, let's call ourselves something that helps us. Like, a self-supporter. I love this identity. I love saying I am a self-supporter. I believe in me. I have my own back. That's an identity I will gladly put on my back and wear it with pride like a cape of honor because it's a signal to myself. I am here to support me. Yes, I love that identity and I own that identity. And if that identity ever starts to feel unhelpful, I'm ready to take the cape off and shed it for something new. 
but for now it helps. And so I own it and I wear it with pride. But imposter syndrome, that identity, I have never met anyone (laughs) who has said, you know what, that identity just feels so good to wear. But yet so many of us wear it. The cloak, the cape ties around our neck so tightly that we choke our own ability to access our brilliance and fully show up because we're stuck in this syndrome mentality. So what I want to offer to you, please take the cape off. We don't have to wear it anymore. How do we do this? How do we remove an identity we've carried around for so long? Well, what I want to offer to you is think about imposter syndrome Not as a syndrome, but as a moment. Imposter moment. It's a moment. What do I mean by that? Think about it as a moment because that makes it in the present. Moments are current instances. A moment. It's just an instant. It's a second. It's less than a second. It's an instantaneous moment that continually passes. So if we think about imposter syndrome as actually an imposter moment, what we're really saying is, this isn't who I am. It's not something I have. It's not something I can acquire over time. It's just a momentary experience that I'm noticing. It's not me, and it's not permanent, and it doesn't even stick around. It's just a moment. That is the first step I have for anyone who has felt like an imposter at some point. I want to share with you, research has shown that 70% of us have said we've experienced imposter syndrome at some point. And I share this to let you know, if you've felt this way, you're not alone. But just because we're not alone, and just because the majority of people have said they've experienced it, does not mean we need to keep it our reality. Make sure you're not giving yourself an identity that you don't want to have. So how do you get out of an identity? Like I mentioned earlier, don't see it as a syndrome. See it as a moment. And if you could see me, what you would see right now is I'm pushing the word syndrome away from myself. So if you, I want you to even do this. If you're, if you're not driving and you have your hands free, what I want you to do is to say the phrase imposter syndrome. But when you get to the word syndrome, push it away from you. Push it away. So we're going to say it together. And then I want you to push it away. Ready? Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Push it away from yourself. Separate yourself from it. Use your hands to literally push it away. You are disowning the identity. You could even imagine your hands like removing it off your back and chucking it aside. Imposter syndrome. Move it away. Because guess what? It's not you anymore. It never was. It was just some cape that we put on to try out and now we're done with. Now what I want you to do, if you feel so inclined, is to think about the identity that you would want to own. And you might be thinking, you know what? I don't even want to think of an identity. I just want to stay in flow. And you're welcome to do that. You don't have to put on another identity. If you're feeling a little uncertain, though, like, well, what do I do with this open space now that I'm not identifying with imposter syndrome? What I'd offer for you to do is to try a phrase like self-supporter or self-believer. That's what I like to use. I am a self-supporter now. And when you say the phrase self-supporter or substitute whatever identity it is for you that you want to now own, when you say that phrase, 
Imagine yourself pulling it to you, bringing it right to you. It's not hard. It's not a struggle to pull to you, but your actual physical acknowledgement of using your hands to gesture it coming towards you is like you telling the universe, yo, listen up. (laughs) This is where we're at. And I don't know if you use the word yo to talk to, to, to the universe. I usually don't, but that's what came out of my mouth. So, hey, that's what we're using. Yo, listen up. Here we go. Let's pull that identity to ourselves. Maybe even imagine yourself putting it on like a cape you proudly wear. All right. So say that identity now. I'm a self-supporter. Pull it towards you. Self-supporter. Pull it towards yourself. Self-supporter. Yes. Oh, feel that. Feel how good that feels to be that identity. Now, we all know we are not the identity because we can shed the identity at any time. We aren't constrained to a single way of being. We get to evolve that. That is what you're doing right now as you're shedding away, pushing away the old, and bringing on the new. This is us being there for ourselves, supporting ourselves through it from an energetic space. Now, I feel like I could end this episode right now and it would be fine, but I have some other ideas that I really want to share with you. So we're going to keep going, okay? All right. So the other thing I want to talk to you about with imposter, I'm using quotes now, syndrome, because we already know that it's not a syndrome. It's a momentary experience and we've shed away the identity. So when you're in that space, the the way that it's been defined in the research world is that we're not owning or seeing our own accomplishments or successes. That's how it's been defined. We're not owning or seeing our own successes or accomplishments. Now, if this definition is not landing for you, That might be because the definition itself would require you to acknowledge that there's successes that you're not acknowledging. So even if the definition doesn't feel like it lands, it might be because you're not seeing the things that you would need to see to see how the definition fits. It's kind of a a funny joke right within the definition itself. (laughs) So I bring that up, though, because that definition is half the story, a very important part. It's us not owning our own successes. Yes. But that's just half of it, because like I mentioned in the beginning, we are energetic beings, and we are on this world having an energetic experience in physical form. What this means is the idea that we're not owning our own successes, that's half of the experience because it's half of the energy. What do I mean? All right, so when you're doing something, you as an individual are putting something out in the world. And I'm going to use a generic example. And for you, I want you to think about the example for what the example is. But also, I want you to think about a time when you've experienced what we used to refer to as imposter syndrome. I want you to think about a time, and you can kind of substitute that in for my example here. Okay, so let's say you wanted to build, build, (laughs) you wanted to bake. A pie. You can tell I don't bake very many pies, right? Okay, so you wanted to bake a pie. So what do you do? Well, you think, I'm going to make a pie. And you feel 
maybe excited about the idea of making a pie. So then you take action by mixing together ingredients, turning the oven on, uh, putting the pie in the oven, letting it bake for a certain amount of time, and then pulling it out of the oven, smelling it, and then eating it. What can we say? What did you do? Well, you made the pie. That's the expression we say, right? But I want to slow this down for a second because it, it does seem like you made the pie. But wait a minute here. Did you literally get the ingredients to meld together? I mean, you mixed it, but can you force the flour and the sugar and the egg to come together? They have to choose to do that. And yeah, you turned the oven on, but did you literally make the oven hot? No, the oven did that. And did you, in the oven now, make it bake? No, the ingredients came together with the heat and did that. So who made the pie? Was it you? Or was it the pie making itself? The answer is both. Together, the pie was created. You did your part, and the pie did its part, and together, you made the pie. I mean, think about it like this. If you, if you were to say, oh, I can smell the pie, but, but how can you smell the pie without the pie emitting the scent? You can't smell the pie without the pie playing a part. The pie emits the scent that your nose receives. So you received the smell of the pie from the pie. So did you smell the pie or did the pie let you smell it? The answer is both. Here's another example. I want you to imagine, or here's actually what I want, what I'd love for you to do. If you're in a space where you can do this, this will only take a second. I'd like for you to dance just for a moment. Get your groove on, move around a bit dance. I'm doing that right now. All right. Now, for how many of you, when you danced, you heard a beat in your head, or you snapped your fingers, or you just felt a beat? Why do I bring that up? Well, because did you dance and create the beat from that? Or did you create the beat and that led you to dance? Who danced who? Did the beat create the movement or did the movement lead to the beat? And the answer is both. I bring this up because everything in this world is an energetic exchange. Michelangelo, the famous Italian sculptor, what he said was, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. This is getting at that concept of the energetic exchange. Within the marble, the angel was there. Michelangelo carved and set the angel free. Together, they carved the sculptor. Together, the angel was revealed. The angel in the marble needed Michelangelo to carve it out, but Michelangelo couldn't carve it out if there's nothing within it to carve. Everything around us is an energetic exchange. Why does this matter when we talk about imposter syndrome? It matters because it's not that we're not owning our own successes alone. That's only half the story. What it really is, is that we're not owning our part in the energy exchange. I say this because what often happens with people who experience what they would call imposter syndrome 
is they say things like, oh, but it wasn't me. It was my team. I didn't do that. It was my team. Or, oh, you know, anyone who had had the uh, luck that I had or the background or the experience that I have would have been able to come up with this. They don't acknowledge their part. And they're not wrong. They couldn't have probably done it without the team or without their skills or without the time or without a little bit of luck from the universe itself. So when we say those things, we're not wrong. And I think what happens is when we think of imposter syndrome as only being about not owning your successes, what happens is we try to own the whole energy exchange. We try to say, we sculpted the sculpture by ourselves without the angel being revealed, or we baked the pie without acknowledging the pie's part in the role. And the soul side of us knows that that is not accurate. We can't own the entire experience because it's not all of ours to own. We are always having an exchange of energy in this earth. So we can't assume that we did the thing without acknowledging all of the pieces to play within it. So with imposter syndrome, what happens is people get so focused on the other side of the energy exchange, what the other people did or what the environment allowed for or what luck would have it or whatever else it might be that you put on it. They acknowledge that side, but they forget their part in the energy exchange. Your part matters. You have so much value that you are giving. And the art of any result that you create is always a push and a pull. And that phrase is almost too forced. I don't even like that. I'm going to switch it. It's not push-pull so much as give take is the next thing that came to mind. What I'm trying to get at is it's an art of you providing value out into the world or or doing work or literally taking a step forward and you receiving back from the world. Receiving input, receiving help, receiving guidance, receiving in some way. Sometimes you're very aware like it was the team. Other times you're not. But it doesn't mean it's not happening. So when it comes to imposter syndrome, the solution that I think is often toted is start owning your successes. But that will not help if you're approaching this from the soul-led place by itself. You can't just own your successes. No, you got to own your part. Always knowing that there is another force, another essence, another energy there to support you in that process. It's all an exchange. And so when we can own our part of the exchange, our half of the exchange, it allows us to, one, feel a little bit good about the fact that we're not trying to own an entire thing that we couldn't possibly own. If we go back to the pie example, yeah, this pie was was delicious and I did so much to bake it, but I didn't make the apple that formed this apple pie taste delicious That was the apple. The apple did that, not me. And it might sound silly or small, but it matters because our soul knows, our energy knows the exchange that is happening. So let's acknowledge both parts of this energy exchange, what you do and what you receive. 
when we do this, it helps free you from feeling like you're supposed to to own it all and, and put your head high and like own it when part of you energetically, that doesn't feel right. At least this was my experience. When I would do that, it didn't always feel right because I knew that it wasn't only me. And yet here I am trying to own it all. No, you don't have to do that. You only need to own your part. And the truth of it is there are steps we can take to help ourselves do that. And this is what I help my clients do. When I'm coaching with them, I do six-month packages and I help them to see the energy exchange that's happening that they might not even realize. Because it is about them seeing their part. But before we go there, I like them to see or to help them to see the whole exchange that's happening. Because it puts some perspective on it. It takes away the weight and the pressure that we're supposed to do it all. Because that's the other thing with imposter syndrome. What we try to do is we don't we don't see what we're doing, and yet we think we're supposed to do it all. Have you ever been there where you think, okay, it's all on me? We get this like superhero complex. And, and I say this with so much love and understanding because this was me so often, and it still is me at times. I have to catch myself. I call it the superhero complex because what happens is even though I might not feel like I know how to do something, I might try to own the whole experience. Like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to create this result. And part of that mentality or sense of force that that creates in you does feel good. You feel powerful. But when it comes from the ego or the mind where we're trying to own everything, it has a little bit of a franticness to it. Like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to figure all of this out? How could I possibly figure it all out? Well, you can figure out your part. That's all you need to figure out. So what happens with people who, who've said they've experienced imposter syndrome is they think that they're supposed to figure it all out or have it all and that people are going to find them out for not having it all figured out. So they feel like they're walking around like they're an actor on a stage pretending to be a part that they aren't really and just waiting for somebody to pull their costume off and say, whoa, you are not who you said you were. But the truth is you are not meant to own the whole thing, just your part in the energy exchange. A play cannot be a play without the stage, the other actors, the audience itself. I mean, even right here, this podcast would not really be a a full experience of a podcast without having somebody to receive the podcast like you, without having me to share it, you to receive it, and then me to receive from you the energy that you're experiencing while listening. We're in this exchange together. We're in this together. This podcast is being created. You and me, we're creating it. It's true for everything. And that might not seem true, but there's so much that we're not seeing. We're so used to looking at the world from this physical plane. And so if we can't actually see something happening, we don't think it's having an impact, but it is. Energy matters. We all are experiencing that exchange at all times. So what I'd like for you all to know is that you can own your part. You don't have to own the whole thing. This gives you some relief and some ways to take the pressure off yourself. 
while still owning your part in the play. Whatever that part may be, all parts are needed. They are all needed. They all play a part. You in the pie, you in your business, you in that project. So what I want to do now is I want to share with you specific steps that can help anyone who has felt they've experienced imposter syndrome before. These steps will help give you some guidance. And what I would like to offer to you is if you are loving this episode and you are intrigued and you are wanting to know more, sign up for a consult with me because this is the first step to do coaching together. And this is what I help my clients with. You have a brilliance inside. Coaching can help you to remove some of the blocks that get in front of it so that your brilliance can shine through. All right, let me share those steps with you and then we'll wrap this up. There are five steps I want to share with you. The first step is separate from the syndrome. And we already started to do this at the beginning of this call. This gets back to the idea that you are not an identity. You've just put an identity on yourself. I have imposter syndrome is not you. What actually happened? You had a thought or a feeling in the moment. You felt a certain way in that moment. You felt fraudulent. You felt insecure. You thought, I don't know what I'm doing. You had a thought or a feeling. That's it. No more. It's momentary. It's not you. Separate from the syndrome. Number two, second step, acknowledging others. It might seem kind of counterintuitive to be focused on others when we're talking about how to get beyond the idea of imposter syndrome. Well, the reason we do that is because oftentimes, for those of us who've said we've experienced imposter syndrome, oftentimes acknowledging others is an easy first step because we sometimes forget the other part of it. We think we're supposed to do it all and yet we don't feel like we've done it. So it's this really weird dynamic where we try to own the other person's part at the same time as not owning our own part. That doesn't make any sense, right? (laughs) But our brains don't always make sense. And that's what happens so often with imposter syndrome. So if we can acknowledge others genuinely, truly, not just to say, oh, no, no, it wasn't me. It was everyone else. But to actually sit in that and say, hey, thank you. Whether you voice it to the other thing involved or not. Uh, My sister-in-law, she has a a wand that she uses. It's beautiful, actually. She created it herself using different uh, gemstones in uh, a stick. And what she does is she puts it over her food before she eats it. And the idea here is that she's gracing the food or she's blessing it. So what a lovely way to create a physical experience of acknowledgement for the food. You literally, like everyone um, knows the idea of saying grace at the table. Like you think, you think whether it's the food or the company or both, you say grace and then you have your meal. Not everyone does this, but you might have heard of this idea before. That's what my sister-in-law is doing with the wand. It's like gracing the food, like thank you food, pulling out that energy and then getting to receive it. That's what we do. We acknowledge others. It's it's saying thank you. It's really as simple as that. Now let's go to the third step. That's to acknowledge you. You want to receive you. You want to acknowledge your part. 
So even phrasing it that way, I find is so freeing for my clients. Because if you say, I want you to acknowledge the success you created, that is too big. It feels like you're supposed to own the whole thing. And like we said, everything's an energy exchange. So that's not even possible. If instead we say, I'd like for you to acknowledge the part that you played. There's an opening in that because there's a truth to it. You have an impact. Just you being you. You don't even have to do or say anything. Your presence has an impact. So even just acknowledging that can help. And so what I want for you to do is to take some time to acknowledge you. Acknowledge you and the process that you're doing. This might be literal things that you've done. I reached out to so-and-so. I researched this thing. I put this other thing out into the world. I began a plan, like whatever it might be. That could be actions you've done. But it also could be you acknowledging you for being you. I showed up for myself today. I had my own back today. I had so-and-so's back today. I let myself feel however I felt and let it be okay. I didn't have to try to push it away. I showed up for me. Those things maybe aren't actual actions, but they're energetic components that you can acknowledge about yourself. So that's why it's the third step is to acknowledge you. The fourth step, receive acknowledgement. This is crucial. Because like we said earlier, it's a push-pull, give-take, pulling out or putting out in the world and letting yourself receive. You have to be open to receive because that is an important part of the energy exchange. You accepting what's coming your way. I was doing a masterclass on imposter syndrome and one of the participants said she was noticing how uncomfortable she was when she was receiving an uh, award for the work that she did. So her team had, you know, gotten together and the leadership team had given her an award for it. And she was so uncomfortable. That discomfort is a sign that you have a little bit of resistance about receiving acknowledgement. Your mind might immediately go, whoa, 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 what's going on? I don't know if I deserve this. I don't, I might have all these thoughts. And what I'd offer for you to receive acknowledgement is to not be in the space of your head, to say, all right, brain, you're having some thoughts. That is okay. Where our focus is going to be right now is not on the head, though. It's going to be on the heart. And it's going to be exhaling out to clear the space to receive in. So if, whether it's receiving an award or some other thing where you're having trouble receiving acknowledgement, I want you to take a deep breath in and then a very long breath out. That's you clearing the energy space to create space to receive. Your brain will have thoughts probably and that's okay. Focus on the heart. Focus on receiving what's coming your way. And I find the best way to work on this step of receiving acknowledgement 
is to not make it work. Because think about that. The very idea of like working on receiving acknowledgement is like the opposite of receiving. (laughs) You're like putting out to try to receive. So literally take a step back. Take a breath. Even um, the beginning of this podcast where we were talking about taking on a new identity and using your arms to motion in, that's like you receiving in this new identity. So you can do things like that to help yourself receive in. Or when you're listening to music, just let yourself immerse into the song and receive the song. Receive the tones. Let them come into you. And that will allow you to receive. And that'll help you to build that muscle of receive. And when you notice discomfort come up when somebody compliments you or acknowledges you or you make an amazing sale or sale or, or you get a promotion or whatever it might be. <sighs> exhale out to create the space for it to come in. And then after the exhale, take an intentional breath in and use that as your signal that you're receiving in. Receiving back in to yourself. All right. This brings us to the fifth and final step. And that step is to notice the symptoms. What we need to do is we need to see when we're in an imposter moment. Because what happens is sometimes we don't notice we're in the moment and we start reacting to the thoughts we're having about being a fraud or our feeling of discomfort, we start to react to those thoughts and we get sucked into the thoughts and identify with the thoughts as opposed to realizing we're separate from them. So you need to notice the symptoms. Symptoms like it could be a physical symptom of uh, embarrassment. Sometimes people get embarrassed when they're acknowledged. It's not that they did something wrong and they're embarrassed. They did something right and they're embarrassed. That could be your sign that you're having an um, imposter moment or a thought or a feeling that you're experiencing just in the moment. It's not you, but it's a sign. It's a symptom. It might be an emotional feeling. It might be a physical sensation, but you want to notice the symptoms. And this is also where coaching is so powerful because we get so caught in our own story that we can't see the symptoms. And so coaching can really help you with that. And if that's something that you're wanting to dive into, the first step is to schedule a consult. Go to believeseed.com slash schedule and you can get yours scheduled there. All right. That is what I have for you today. And I hope this podcast gave you some insight into how to break free from imposter syndrome because it's not a syndrome. We are not an identity. And you can instead identify with the you that you want to be, knowing always and forever you can shed whatever identity you pick up as you're in this constant role of growth, evolution, learning, and building in compassion and grace for yourself along the way. Thanks for joining the episode today. And to celebrate the launch of this podcast, I am raffling some free prizes. First, access to my soul-filled self-confidence course. Second, access to my drop the need to people please course. And third, a readout with me to go over your Enneagram personality type. 
Now here's how you can be entered in to win one of these prizes. You'll rate or review or subscribe to my podcast, and then you'll send me an email at lisa at believeseed.com to let me know.